Hello, everyone. Welcome to Performing Gods, Episode 5 of Season 2. My name, as always, is Brian Davis. Joining me today is... Uh, Diana. Uh, I go by Daji Sanchez. Um, I am a producer. Um, I'm starting to write, or actually publicize my writing a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's all the things I've been doing for theater and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, Daji and I have uh, go back a few, almost, yeah, a couple of years now. Uh, I actually got one of my plays uh, called Lex Talianus actually was put into a, a play festival that she was actually producing. And I really haven't, uh, the only time I was able to do that beforehand was essentially doing it with a uh, Manhattan Repertory Theater in New York City. and. That was the only time I was able to do it. I thought I wouldn't have another chance to do it. I just happened to do that because uh, uh, you went to, I believe, uh, the same community college as me or Manhattan Community College, right? I went to or, Queen's College and oh. I went to uh, LaGuardia. Uh, that oh, was my okay. and then I went to Queen's College. I think I did you find me and like I'm all up on like groups and Facebook groups. Yes, essentially. So um, I shared it and because I I one of the things that I think is important is community, especially if you're coming from like a CUNY college or community colleges. Um, enough of that community um, or conversations because I feel it's always competitive. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, my mistake. <laughs> no, I'm I always assumed that you were a BMCC alum or at least uh, partly uh, a student of BMCC because you, uh, no. you know, I, I always just like when I see that, I was like, oh, they must be a uh, BMCC, you know, BMCC alum. But yeah, you went to Queens College, uh, yeah, Queens College and also LaGuardia Community College. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about the, uh, the, the CUNY aspect of uh, being a, a theater too in a little while. But. Uh, yeah, you were sending out word about this play festival. I decided to say, hey, you know, I, I have a play. It's somewhat producible. It's somewhat workable. And uh, and we had a great discussion at LaGuardia. Uh, one night in LaGuardia, I actually had to go and actually you know, haul my ass out of Brooklyn for once. You know, going to Queens, which I did not like to do, but it's not going into Queens I don't like to do, it's the traveling to Queens that I don't like to do. Because, yeah. because in Brooklyn, you got to take, uh, depending on what train you are, you may have to take at least two trains just to get to Queens. So, unless you happen to be in one of the trains that actually goes into Queens that is in Brooklyn, like the G train. I know the G train goes into Queens, that's what the Q train goes to. M as well, like the M train goes from the Metropolitan one goes to Brooklyn from Queens yeah. to Brooklyn. I actually don't see the the M as much as I used to. Uh, only when I'm in the city, it's like I would just see the city in the M in the city. But that again, this is like a whole other discussion about. You know. Yeah, it's difficult to get to. It really yeah. is. Queens is difficult to get to, but the moment I got to Queens, I was like, you know what? I I and Long Island City. From what I was seeing, just as I was coming into uh, Long Island, yeah, Long Island City, I was like, you know what, Queens ain't that bad. And I'm walking around, I'm like, yeah, it ain't that bad. And I'm, I'm in LaGuardia, and I'm like walking around LaGuardia. It's like a very friendly campus, and 
course, it's like a very massive campus too. And it's like, I did not expect that place to be a, a very big campus because I expected it all, but you know, I expected it to be like a, a community college similar to like maybe BMCC or maybe King's Scroll because I was the only community college as I was, you know, uh, that I relate to. And Kingsborough is a you know massive college also, but Laguardia, yeah. I was like, just walking through the halls of Laguardia, it's like you just see like the entire building is like one big giant hallway, and and not like hallway in the sense of like it being like one big hallway, but like it's almost like a mansion where it's like the the entire ceiling is just like you just look up and like this is one big ceiling because it yeah. goes up because it goes upwards and. Of course, I've had friends who have gone to Queens College and they've invited me to Queens College this thing. I can never get out to Queens College because that's probably even further up to Yeah, that's fair. It's it's a way. It's a way to get like it's a whole trip. Yeah. Um uh what we're talking but yeah, what we're talking oh yeah. You're uh, the five girl thing. Uh yeah, so in in, in essence I Submit my play, and Dodgy was so gracious for me to actually be into the thing. And not only that, but she was so collaborative too. And I learned a lot in terms of actually producing my own play, almost on a uh, grassroots level, uh, like almost like a grassroots uh, uh, thing, where it's like you don't have you don't have a budget, but you have a budget to be a budget somewhat. Uh, you're, it's like you're not paying your actors, but you're paying your actors with kindness and food, probably mostly just for food. Yeah, uh, drinks, just <laughs> like drinks and food, that sort of thing. But yeah, uh, and yeah, the, the both of us really connected with that sort of thing. So I'm just, I'm just really grateful that you are one of my great friends now, especially nowadays, where it's just like, hey, I have a problem. It may be one of those, like, uh, uh, and I would often, often just, like, hit you up with, like, questions about theater, that sort of thing, and you'd be like, I know what you're talking about, you, and you would give, like, great answers about that, but. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm always, uh, like, very grateful to help as much as I can, you know? But in, in terms of your, huh? I don't know everything, but, you know, I try to uh, absorb as much knowledge and help people, and if I don't know the answer, I'm always trying to look for it, so. Yeah. But it's like, whenever, for whatever reason, it's like you know a, a few things about a few things and you just happen to be quite smart, so. But yeah, uh, in terms of your performing arts background, uh, how, what is your background in general in performing arts? Like, were you mostly a theater person growing up or were you, did you discover acting? Like, like um, when... Yeah, essentially why. <laughs> well, I actually started more uh, in the beginning for music. Um, I love singing. And um, that since I was very little, I loved, like, I wanted to be a singer. That was, like, my, like, that's something that I've, I've dreamed, I've I thought about, I've sang. Um, and it pushed myself towards that, right? Um, I never, like, I didn't have money. My parents didn't have money to take me to any, like, um, schools for singing or anything like that. But in, in high school, I actually went to Aviation High School, which is, a, if you can hear the reference, aviation, it's about airplanes, about building yeah. airplanes. Um, it's in the Queens, and it's a great school. I, you know, think about it now. It's a great, wonderful school, but it just wasn't for me. It wasn't a great fit. Because uh, I'm very, like not 
that really <laughs> into airplanes or that are going into that path. But I ended up going to um, to a charter school, which had didn't have the arts as a as a thing, but it had um, just a different environment, which had like drama classes, and yeah. um, I think they had like a singing class. They had more like clubs than the, I would see in public schools. Um, it was a charter school, so um, when I went to high school at Williamsburg Charter. Um, there I, you know, I entered the theater aspect of it. Um, I, cause I had drama classes. It was an elective of mine. Um, so it was something that I did consistently. And I had a friend who was very like, um, very enthusiastic about theater and yeah. he taught me a lot. And, um, he also, I feel like he also welcomed me into that world. Um, that I didn't think I wanted or, or you know, I didn't think it would be part of it. Um, but so that's how I sort of came into theater. And then I loved it so much, I literally studied it throughout my whole college career. <laughs> um, so it was something that I, in the beginning, it was very um, actor-centric, like, okay, I, yeah. I had a little performative, like just me actually performing. Um, and I think as like, I think my reasoning for now to become like more producer or like learning things on the backside as an administrator in theater, um, I think is because there wasn't like, I wasn't seeing certain opportunities. And so, or like, I didn't like how things were run. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I wanted to learn how to do that. Like I wanted to learn who is the person in charge of this because I thought my friends were so dope. Like I wanted them to give them opportunities. I'm like, why not me be the one to, you know, exercise and learn, even though I might not know how to exactly how to do it. That's, you know, just me trying and, um, and going towards that. Cause I mean, I went to Queens College. Queens yeah. College does not have um, a concentration. Like I would say Brooklyn College has concentrations. Yeah. Um, Lehman has concentrations. I do, I love, Queens College doesn't. So when I remember asking my professor, like uh, my, what's it called? Their advisor? Yeah, advisor. <laughs> Your advisor? I was like, you know, I really want to get into producing and like learning about that. And um, it was sort of dismissed because it wasn't, there wasn't enough for me. Um, they weren't providing me enough resources and yeah. You know, not all theater teachers are like super like, here you go. <laughs> you yeah, know? I noticed, yeah, I've noticed that some of the colleges I know of uh, have no concentrations in terms of things. I know when I was at Hunter, Hunter didn't have a concentration in terms of the theater. I think it was just like a general BA in theater, and, it, it, and most of the BA was just like learning about acting, behind the scenes, that sort of thing. And in other programs, you know, with like film or something like that, they had like concentrations. Like if you were in film, it's like in, like if you're, you know, same thing with uh, Brooklyn College, but in Brooklyn College, the theater there, it has like different uh, uh, attractions. You know, it has the BA, which is in the regular, you know, regular BA. Uh, yeah. Then there's BA, uh, and then there's a BFA. And then the BFA is like acting, technical, theater, technical design, I believe, or, might, or I might be the wrong there, but technical design and technical theater might be the same thing, but it's, it's essentially different things. And then there is 
the MFA program, you know, masters, and yeah. you know, in that you get like acting, directing. Uh, same thing as again, uh, production stuff like uh, design. You know, t uh, again, production uh, like stage management, that sort of thing. I know one of my friends uh, is uh, is a MFA stage manager there at Brooklyn College, though, and. Her, you know, last semester was shut down because of, you know, COVID because of all the, you know, productions were shut down because of COVID. So, mm. uh, again, I really don't like to drag COVID into the thing, but I think that's also a thing about this podcast is that every, like every, every episode or so, there's got to be COVID talk. So, yeah. But, yeah. We got to. We're doing it. We're doing it um, through Zoom. You know, it's, yeah. it's part of the, it's part of the whole thing. Yeah, but yeah, they, uh, especially in uh, uh, CUNY, yeah, especially in CUNY uh, colleges and community colleges, they don't really, a lot of colleges I've actually uh, looked up and researched, especially going into, especially going back to college, is that a lot of these places don't have like tractions depending on the college, like Brooklyn College and what you just said before, Lehman, they both have tracks, well, yeah, Lehman has attraction, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have track, like a something, like a concentration. Yeah, so, uh, tra tra I call it tracks, or that's, <laughs> that's essentially the same thing. Um, yeah. Uh, concentration. Uh, as I said, Hunter doesn't have a concentration unless it's in different departments. But in, in terms of theater, a lot of the, and this is something I noticed that in different places, especially talking to different people about their theater experiences at a, at a community college, is that the professors would be helpful, but the departments wouldn't be as helpful as much as they could be. It's like, you know, uh, generally speaking, the departments will be as helpful as they can be. The professors would be like super helpful. Hang on, you know, you know, they will always be like great professors, but when you have to deal with the department, that's when there are much more of a problem dealing with you know, like CUNY, especially in terms of theater. Because in theater, uh, everything it, everything is essentially, uh, everything boils down to essentially, do, do we have the budget for this, all that stuff? Uh, do we have, uh, could we have the budget for all this stuff? You know, where do we put this production here? You know, uh, uh, just to give that example, uh, a couple semesters ago, uh, Gloria was actually being produced not only at Brooklyn College, but I think at Queens College too. And, mm -hmm. and at, Queen, uh, and at uh, Brooklyn College, we had in you know, a little black box theater, so it was a very more small, intimate space. But from what I saw at Gloria at Queens College, I think it was on like a, a bigger stage. So you, they had much more of a bigger space in that Brooklyn College. The main stage is much more used for essentially the more larger spaces uh, for the most part. And the more smaller space was essentially black box space, even though it's not like a black, you know, even though it's a black box, it's not like an actual black box where it's just like the, the yeah, it's essentially a black box. Uh, black box theater and but yeah in terms of spacing 
and stuff like that, it's hard to be a theater student in CUNY when theater and CUNY really don't see eye to eye sometimes. And as a former, well, as a CUNY alum, has there been instances, yeah, has there been instances where it's like you wanted to do a production or you see people wanting to do a production, but they couldn't really just do it because at BMCC, I could tell you like stories about what happened with that, but. Um, I think, I would say, I mean, I definitely agree that there is a, I think if when students are creating a production, there's always like, in, 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 in some concern, I understand the concern of, of seeing students trying to create a show. And if it doesn't go well, or if they give like the student a certain amount of money with their, like the budget and they spend it on, yeah. <laughs> who knows what, you know, like I understand from an administrative perspective that, you know, they kind of want to protect their own backs because um, they don't know what the student is up to, right? However, it, it sounds, yeah. however, I would also say that there isn't, I feel like there isn't a conversation of how to actually, you know, be able to create that, like that thing, that yeah. be able to produce shows, especially for students, especially now, because I feel like, I feel like theater can be looked at as like, uh, you know, like there's like these people up there who can only produce shows, you know? Yeah. And I, for me, I feel like, you know, when I break it down on how to actually produce a show, it's, it, to me, it's fairly easy because, yeah. <laughs> you know, in my head, like, if we all work together, we can do this. And yeah. I feel like when you teach, when, if you're able to teach um, students how, there'll be more stories, right? There'll be more, yeah. uh, um, a, diver a diversity of stories. There is actual inclusion when you're actually providing information and resources for students. And I think a lot of times there's this conversation, at least in the schools that I've been to, where it can either be like they want to supervise, but they're judging it. Yeah. Like judging the process or they're like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like telling us, no, you're not doing this. That's not how it's supposed to go. Why didn't you think about this? You know, they're, you know, telling us like we needed to have like all the experience that they have had, you know, when, yeah. um, when we've only said, hey, I just, this is my first show I want to produce and I don't know anything, guide me, help me, you know, tell yeah. me things that I need to do or think about. Like, really, like, don't just sit one day and send me a list of things I need to do. Actually guide me, be my mentor towards this. So when I, at the end of that goal or the end of that show, right, I feel like, wow, I've actually learned something Um with my professor if you want like credibility with the school right yeah like let's say that the school helped you but at the end of the day you sort of like especially people who are gonna want to do their own thing they're gonna do their own thing and they're gonna learn a lot of lessons um <laughs> and it'll be due to failure right which is fine which is great you know we should learn yeah but i feel like when you're going to a school and your whole point is um you know to teach you especially if you're asking i want to produce my own show yeah. teach them how you know and i think there's not a conversation i think there's not a um a bridge or something there's like a disconnect with students and professors and i would say um also professors with the actual department because then it goes to like 
I mean, the thing is about buildings and the theaters in them, it's not just, um, it's not like the theater owns the space. Yeah. It's actual CUNY build, like Queens College owns that theater. And so whatever oh, yeah. happens, you know what I mean? So it's like whatever happens um, in that space is, you know, the Queens College needs to know about it and whatever, you know, yeah. whatever's going on. So I can under. So I can understand administratively, like the things that professors and and teachers want to protect themselves, um, and but at the same time, I also feel like there isn't like that that push that I don't know not push but like a, that guidance, um, yeah. like an actual guidance, and that goes even with like not just producing shows, but. I think with anything, like if you're, um, and then this is my experience for Queens College, but I see like how, um, like for acting students, you know, you take a bunch of acting classes, acting one, two, three, four, yeah. right? and you know they teach you semi of like how you can live, but you they don't like you know I feel like they still don't guide you enough <laughs> to push you because I feel like there's this narrative. Uh, especially for professors where it's like, well, I did it on my own or I'm, you know, like saying like, I, you've got to learn your own lesson. It's Um, odd how essentially there's always got to be a disconnect between uh, professors and students and also students with uh, the administration at their uh, department at the college because like you said before, the college itself owns the building um, yeah, the college itself owns the building, and they are they are allowing them to use this space for a you know X amount of time. Uh, at BMCC, there was a theater club, and the theater club you know it went off for maybe a semester or two because they had no people you know who were essentially bring it back. And then when they did bring it back, essentially you know they only could use the the black box theater, which is essentially a small space. But this next semester, they wanted to do a bare, uh, uh, they wanted to use the main production space. I mean, the, the main stage, which is essentially using theater two, which is a very big space altogether, which holds like maybe close to maybe 400 people or maybe 300 people, like 300, 400. And uh, you've been to BMCC, right? To see shows there? Yeah, so, I did. Yeah. So, you know, the big, you know, uh, theater two, what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. See, it, it's a very, it's a fairly large space, so it holds like maybe either three, like 300 people, or at least about 300, 400 people, especially if it's like full up. So, and if they're just doing this to use that space for a club production of a new, uh, of a new play. Of course, it's got to be like, you know, the, the people in the uh, theater department have to pull a lot of strings just to get that thing rolling together. Especially, you know, from my time with uh, them, uh, as, we, as we just pointed out before, there's always got to be a disconnection between theater, uh, the theater students and the theater department staff in general because not many people would be seen eye to eye. You know, they'd probably be happy if it was just in a small space, which could be more manageable, but... Since you're using the bigger main stage, you know, the main stage, that's probably doing a lot more hoops and all that stuff. And of course, you know, when you're using essentially uh, 
all student uh, production staff, that's even got to be a lot more stressful for you know for the uh, uh, for the um, the packet uh, there. So yeah, uh, is but when you do it at a more and again, uh, I, I think this is probably the reason why I didn't see any like student. Uh, like there's only there was only like maybe like maybe one or two student run uh, like one or two student run productions at Brooklyn College and that was mostly just like towards the end of the semester or maybe at the start of the semester so that sort of thing and yeah. I know there is a music uh, group I think it was not like a music it's like a music theater group and like last year they did Little Shop of Horrors and this was fantastic with the amount of stuff they did. And early this year, they did Tick, Tick, Boom, which I didn't see because of, you know, timing and whatnot, because, you know, I was working during that time. I can't see a show if I'm working, so. And, but yeah, uh, and a lot of this stuff happens is because of budgetary reasons, which is essentially, you know, as a student-run production, you have essentially X amount of money just to do uh just to use for, uh, for this amount of time especially if you have like a uh if the budget is saying like say oh you have like twelve hundred dollars for the budget and your production is like say in a few weeks you have to really make everything so scarce right right i think um i'm not sure where your question is <laughs> oh well my question my, my question is is my, sorry oh. um, Sorry about that. No, my my question is is essentially uh, shoot. What is that question? <laughs> this is this is the fun thing about my show. I lose my questions often, but I know but, I just I did comment on something because I I know in Laguardia uh, we didn't have a budget. Like I had I I we ran I were I was a part of theater club um, yeah. for a while, <laughs> and we didn't really have a budget from the department. We actually, um, at LaGuardia, we, because we were a club, we worked with, um, like the school had a certain amount of money that they would give to clubs and then it would yeah. be just, we had to ask. So we, it was for us, it was kind of like fundraising and talking yeah. to other, um, other people in the, in like their, that are leaders in the club so they can vote yes if we, to get approved from a certain amount of money. Um, so we've tried to, the way we worked with that was trying to work with other clubs um, to basically I, raise the amount of money in our budget. Yeah. And so we can get because they'll they'll get approved and then we'll get approved like two uh, two thousand dollars. So they'll so two thousand two thousand four thousand and then we'll able we'll, we would be able to do a show. I would say just in like my experience at LaGuardia doing shows. Um, it, it was, it could get difficult when, again, I feel like this is saying, like, especially maybe it's because, like, CUNY students already feel like they're not, like, because they've gone to CUNY, they're not, like, worth, worth it. I don't know, what, I don't know how to say it. They're, like, not, um, I think the I think the word you're looking for is like they don't believe that they have the worth that they yeah. have. It's like yeah, it's like they don't believe in themselves, right? Yeah. So, and I've so seen a lot of people who are essentially who become so disillusioned in, in terms of their acting, who are amazing actors, but over time they just become 
kind of disillusioned because people don't, it, because CUNY really isn't one of those like private schools where it's like it becomes like uh, what's the problem, uh, Juilliard or Yale or something like that. Right, there's like, nothing behind it. So it's like, like it's like if I, I went to the I went to study theater at um, at LaGuardia and Queens College. Like they're not known. Like there's no one except like Fran Drescher and Jerry Spring. <laughs> what's his name? Jerry. <laughs> Jerry Springer. Um, Springer? No. No, no. no Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld, there you go. I'm like, <laughs> Jerry Springer, no. Oh, okay. I was just making a story because you said Jerry. I'm like, Springer or Seinfeld? But then no. when you mentioned, Fr and then when you turned, it's like, no, no, no. I'm like, oh, 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 Spr uh, Seinfeld, okay. <laughs> that would be rough Um, But he went to, they both went to Queens College, but they, they, I don't know if they even studied theater. Like, that's not like something that, you know, it's not credible. So for you to say that, to be an artist or be creative in those spaces it's kind of it sounds like you're not like in some way if you don't believe it in yourself yeah. it can sound like oh well are you because you didn't go to a fancy whatever school when i yeah. i i don't agree with that statement i just feel like a lot of times um people because they you know they're working towards something and they don't see a result or they don't see like the professors or teachers you know, hyping them up or giving them the resources or letting them know that, hey, you can, you actually can do this. Like, I believe in you so much as a student um, that I believe that you can do it and showing you that path yeah. and pushing for that. But I don't always see that enough. But I, when I say that in regard to like clubs, because you can raise enough money, but if you don't know how to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So what is the point? And I think especially when we're all trying to, you know, we're pretty young, like we're in our early 20s um, or even in our, still in our teens, 18. We don't, you know, we don't know nothing. Like, <laughs> create these shows or, or an idea, like in our heads, we're like, we're going to do this thing. Gotta do this, gotta do that. And then they don't really tell you a damn thing because, yeah. because, uh, and here's, the, and this is the, the sad truth of it is that, I think for the most part, professors really don't want people to essentially, uh, I gotta get closer to camera, but that's a statement, but professors don't want people to get the, the sad truth that acting or the theater in general is the big limelight that they always see in, you know, in films and TV and whatnot. There is a harsher truth to theater, and and I've talked to professors. And to professors have talked to me about it, and they said theater is not for everyone. Nine times out of ten, the, the people who you think are going to be very amazing stars, they end up not becoming stars themselves, even if they are quite talented. Or you know, nine times out of ten, you got people who think they are good stars, but their egos are so. Um, wrapped up where it's just like they become like that self-absorbed thinking they are the next brando or something like that right, but right but yeah it, it, it's and this is not and this is a question that like the same one with like the same comments before this isn't really a question this is more like a, a this is again a conversation but this is more like a comment where it's just like cuny isn't really run like a private school system like juilliard or nyu that sort of thing if you go to Juilliard at NYU, they teach you probably a different amount of, you know, uh, how to act, that sort of thing. And I've seen NYU productions where it's just like, 
they kind of like blow blow away the uh, like they blow away the uh, the stuff I see in Brooklyn College or at uh, Hunter College BMCC. Even though those productions are pretty in BMCC and Brooklyn College Hunter, they are extraordinarily well done. It's like if, if you want to see a good production in CUNY, go see a production at Brooklyn College. You know, it's, I'm not saying that because Brooklyn College is paying me. If they are listening or watching. Baby, I use sponsors, uh, but yeah, same with BMCC and <laughs> uh, use sponsors. But yeah, if you go to, but all joking aside, if you go to say NYU or something like that, you will see exceptionally well done theater in a in a space similar to the the type of space you probably see at a CUNY thing. But with CUNY, a lot of professors really don't want to have the heart to heart thing. that says, hey theater is not going to be the moment you and, and again because of what happened with covid all the theaters uh, all the theater jobs really dried up because the theater on broadway is blocked out for the next like maybe until probably winter or so and then a sense yeah it's like even it's like until like january or so yeah 2021 yeah so we got like a long time until like theater gets back to normal and even then like how will theater be theater, especially nowadays? And like what soul and, and souls and what shows and musicals will be returning, that sort of thing too. But yeah, it, right. I, I think for the most part, professors really don't want to have the heart to heart talk about having theater isn't for everyone. And I've had professors who actually told me this point blank says, Brian, theater is not for everyone. But why are they, doing, say, are they saying that to you though? Well, they're just being uh, honest, and I think that's the whole thing, is that if you're being honest about what theater is, chances are there are people who want to believe, who want to become actors, and they don't have, like, the honesty. Yeah, I, I think it's because... I'm sorry, but I would disagree, because I feel like theater may not be... Okay, how do I say this? Some people love theater and they want to strive into acting. Like for me, like I remember in the beginning, I wanted to be an actor, right? I wanted yeah. to, I was like all up in there. I'm like, where are the scripts? Where's like all the monologues? I, want, I was very concentrated on that. I have evolved into, or I, I have grown in, and learned other aspects of myself um, slowly. And I, I think when a professor, I think this is my problem though. I think when a professor tells you, um, theater is not for everyone. I'm like, I don't care what you think. I'm paying you to make theater for everyone. Like, I feel like, um, I feel like there is a way to teach someone and not like break their dreams or you know, kind of let them grow into understanding where they can fit in that theater space. You know, because there's so yeah. many things I think in theater that we need that everyone's so focused on being the center and on stage when there's a need for backstage people. Yeah, just essentially. Involved, you know, and I think a lot of times when you tell someone, oh, well, you're not, you know, not theater is not for everyone. I'm like, well, there's different parts of theater. You can introduce that, you know, if someone really, really is focused on being an actor and let's say they're not like the best actor, but again, that is so subjective because there's a lot of 
actors in Hollywood. So, oh, <laughs> I like would, that. Who are not like the best, but they're still able to make it work. And I think yeah. the fact, like, I think when you dishearten or like, you know, you you'd say that as a professor, you're supposed to be my guide, my, my person to look to and tell me, hey, how can I do this? How can I be better? What am I not focusing on? How can, I, you know, like those are, as a professor, if I were a professor or at least the professor I would want is someone who would always, you know, look, like, listen to me and say, and tell me things like, you know, maybe you should work on this. You know, I see that you're struggling in this. I see, you know, um, you need help with this, providing exactly. me resources. But I think a lot of times professors take the, take the easy way out and say, well, you know what, theater is not for everyone. Because I remember yeah. my classes, I think one of the, uh, it was my, um, this, my tech class, my technical class for theater. Yeah. In college. And the first day of class, my teacher was like, you know, sort of saying the same thing. The theater is not for everyone. Um, and they basically want to teach this so we can be well-rounded. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I kind of laughed. Like, I just, I, I don't think like that is the, like, I think some, te some teachers don't understand how to actually teach students. <laughs> um, like, actually, I don't know how to say it, but, you know, just giving them more opportunity and like a, more of a vision like how theater could be. I will say this though, I've had professors at Brooklyn College that have been so grateful that I worked with because they are essentially that aspiring mentor figure types that I do need in my life. Especially my, uh, especially one of my acting professors, uh, Manuel Simons. He was, I mean, he is and was, I'm not sure why I'm using was in the past tense, but he, he, he's one of the greatest professors I've worked with, and he's always so energetic. He's always so, uh, not only is he like a mentor type, where he's like, Brian, I know what you, you know, and he talks to him very, it's like he has a very sudden accent, even though I'm not sure if he is sudden, but he has a very sudden accent, but I can't really do a sudden accent that well, but he's just Brian. What you're doing is great, and he would always push me in the right direction to see what I'm doing, and especially if I'm doing something like comedy, which he knows I'm really great at, especially, you know, a couple of semesters ago, in my, in my second to last semester, I had a comedy class, and I had no idea how to do, like, comedy in terms of, like, you know, physical timing and that sort of thing, and I did two, I, I, did, I did essentially two things for the class. One, which was essentially a monologue, which is a comedy monologue. Easy, you know, do a, you know, do a monologue. But the second thing was essentially developing a uh, a comedy piece about of uh, that I did for myself, which was essentially a silent piece, into, you know, uh, uh, similar to like Buster Keaton, that sort of thing, where it has no words and it's more along the along the side of actions and. Yeah, I think there are mentor types or inspiring figures who do help you in theater, but I, I think it's just because in CUNY, there is just people who are kind of like very disillusioned, but because I think there are people who are working with other problems, that sort of thing, especially because professors, they don't get paid a lot, you know, that sort of thing. So there's a lot more other factors dealing with, especially with 
especially with the faculty and the theater department itself, it's like they would have you know, like I would have theater you know theater professors who would just talk shit about their about the theater department you know during class. Well, you know, in the safety of our own little space, it's like hey, you know, you know the theater department, you know. They know what they're doing, and they kind of say that in a sense of a very sarcastic way of, you know, I'm saying this very sarcastic way of saying it, but yeah, there are, but the question I have for you is, like, even though there are mentor types in theater, do you think that, yeah, do you think that, especially what's been happening for the past, like, say, several months, especially in theater itself because of what's been happening in COVID, do you, and I know this is, has happened because they've been trying to do the same thing at uh, Broken College, which is essentially higher off, I mean, higher new uh, faculty members, especially those who are essentially uh, biracial, indigenous, and people, you know, people of color, essentially, uh, BIPOC. Uh, thanks, Francis, for taking me, uh, for allowing me to know that term now. Uh, uh, that's, uh, again, I'm filming this way in advance, so this is season two. So. So I'm not, I'm just referencing an episode I just filmed, you know, which makes anyway. I'm losing my train of thought, uh, but yeah. Do you think uh, within this this uh, past say several months, especially what's been happening with COVID and uh, and not only that with the theater and, and theater in general, but also CUNY in general, especially uh, transferring into online classes for the remainder. Do you think that once there is more, I want to say, once there is a more secure way to go back to school, where it feels safer to go back to school, do you see a lot more changes happening in DC departments, or do you see it sort of being the same but with some changes? Um, I my hope is that. It does change. I don't know if all theater, because all theater departments are way different. Yeah. I think for me, I would say that I, my hope, and this is a hope, is just that theaters under theaters themselves, with like even the even the even on Broadway or not even just Broadway, like Broadway's Broadway, but like yeah. these um these, oh my god, off-off-Broadway shows, um, or theaters, um, to understand adaptability, yeah. um, and, and, and adaptability in all, all of its senses, like, you know, when it comes to, um, its policies, um, understanding the curriculum that they're giving students, or, or the, or the, the, you know, the season that they're creating, um, you know, the programs that they already have for students, like how can they make it better? And um, I mean, my big, my big hope is that it does change. And I think this really brought to light a lot of the things that were not working, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not in college right now. So I, and I, I, I you know, I've spoken to, um, some people who have, or, you know, are taking their theater classes online. I'm assuming it's a lot different. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I'm assuming that for for people who are taking classes online, it could feel like not as, in, I mean, I assume it's not as engaging as maybe you would in a, in a, you know, in a live class.
class, you know, in-person class. Um, but again, it's about adaptability and everyone, it's, a, it's an understanding. It's not like, you know, theater went online and students don't know why. <laughs> yeah. They know what's going on. Um, and if there was a time where it was safe for people to start going into schools, and let's say everyone could go to school in person. Um, I do hope that there is changes in the curriculum, especially. I do hope there's changes in the way the narrative is when a student wants to do theater, because I feel like as we can see, Broadway is not the end goal. Yeah. Um, and even for, I think a lot of people don't know this, but even for Broadway shows, sometimes Broadway isn't the end goal. Broadway no. is just like the beginning for a lot of these shows because then yeah. they'll go off and do a movie with that same script, you know. Or they'll touring, go off essentially. Or touring, you know. Yeah. Or touring, you know. They um, they get revenue off of that. It's not just the Broadway show. A lot of times it's just the beginning of it. Yeah. And, um, and I think just for us to understand that, that that's not always the narrative of us trying to be on broad. I feel like that's the, like, the, that's always like the thing to go to, especially when you're in New York, I think, especially when you're, you are in New York, you see it so much. It's so it's attainable. Like if I was a, uh, an actor at Brooklyn college and literally Manhattan is like right across the bridge, I could be on stage in any minute, <laughs> you know, if I just yeah. auditioned at the right moment right time the right people the right show and I think um you know I think that but that's not I think there's a different narrative of like theater itself of like how you can create stories within your community um it's not you know what I mean it's not just yeah. you know I think a lot of times professors are like well you know um I've done like this that and the third and you know all these fancy things when students are, you know, they want, of course, they want someone who's like doing it, right? But if you can yeah. show someone that you're doing it without it making it like a snobby thing, like, oh, well, you know, you had to work this hard to reach. Like, I remember I had an interview with one of the theaters. I didn't get the job, and I'm kind of grateful I didn't, thinking about it now. But I had, there's, Drew Jansen is, um, uh, is, a, is a theater venue has a bunch of theater venues in, Ma yeah. in Manhattan, Broadway shows, right? So there's a bunch of theater venues that they, they run, right? And so I interviewed to be the executive assistant um, to the to the artistic director, whatever, you know, the higher people, right? Um, and I was really excited because I was like, oh my God, this is my opportunity. I'm going to shine. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a job because it was one, one of the things I... I strive to is to learn and to ask questions. And during my interview, I asked a bunch of questions um, and I was writing them down. And I think the person on the other side felt a type of way because I, they thought I was going to give them, I'll tell the world about like the things that they were doing. I'm like, ah, okay. in my, in, like I'm just going to be like, who, what are they doing? Like I was some, I don't know who they thought I was. <laughs> But essentially, I just feel like sometimes there's like this vision of like people who are our producers, who are the ones who have the money or that get the investors to produce the show. Essentially, they are the ones that do that. 
but I also feel like that needs to be broken. Like yeah. that, that unreachable thing of me trying to, like if you wanted to do a show and you wanted to get an investor to, you know, someone to produce your show, right? You know, you would, this should be like a, more of an attainable thing. Um, and I think a lot of times we're not taught that in school. I think a lot of times it's like this narrative of like, well, you've got to work real hard and you've got to, you know, you know, be in the street hungry and like being that starving artist, selling that idea. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that that should be the way the narrative should go. And I think that a lot of teachers sell that idea because they themselves are going through it. Yeah. So like, they don't want to like imagine and like I don't know it's kind of it, it's that like guess that selfishness I guess I don't I don't think all teachers are are trying to do that but I think there's like this like idea of, of like if a student is more capable and they came from nothing especially when it comes to yeah. CUNY, CUNY students who a lot of them come from you know very low income uh, places you know so I don't know. I feel I don't know if I answered your question, but no, I, I think you did. Uh, it actually gave me a, a great question to uh, like segue into the next form of questioning, which is essentially producing. Especially since now producing is, I will say, it's like it's producing is almost very easy once you know the steps. It's like once you know the right people, once you know the right people to uh, say, "Hey, I, I'm doing something." I'm doing a production. I'm going to need X amount of money. Is it possible that you give me at least this amount of money for this production I'm doing? Is, and I can pay you back in, like, pay back somehow, some way to the revenue, that sort of thing. So that sort of thing. And of course, you know, you know, once you start knowing how to do producing, it, it's sort of like a, uh, it's sort of like a stepping stone. It's like a, like a format, that sort of thing. Uh, so. Can be, yeah. Yeah, and my question is, especially now that the that Zoom theater seems to be more of a uh, norm now for the time being, do you see Zoom theater continuing to be like this going into the new year, especially as Broadway returns, or do you see like Zoom theater sort of like going down the moment or like stopping ish the moment like theater like reopens like that? Um. Hmm. I feel like a, even for me, like seeing a show online can be difficult, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, but I have been seeing a lot of different ways people have been producing lately. Like they're, you know, they're, they're getting a little bit more savvier with Zoom. Um, they're using background, um, like the background uh, thing yeah. for Zoom. Um, they're learning how to like enter into a room and, and like is and they'll feel like the flow of like live performance. Yeah. Um, right. And it, sometimes it's live. Sometimes it's already pre-recorded, and they you know you watch the pre-recording. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of that. I've also seen you know a lot of free shows, um, which I am grateful for. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of free shows, so it's nice to just, you know, um, when you are, like, having seen theater or having seen a performance, it's nice to watch something that isn't, like, edited like a film, 
Um, it's nice to see a conversation flow. Um, I, I, to be honest, I don't, I, I kind of, and I kind of hope because um, I, I do hope that there is like this understanding of how to use like these platforms, these yeah. new platforms and be able to create the shows and make it fit into that platform. I think right now yeah. also, I think a lot of times there's a lot of people who um, want to produce shows, but don't take into consideration the platform. Yeah. Um, and the platform is important because it's very hard um, to see something like I think it's use, it's good to use the platform. A lot of times it's just like, you know, now we're going to read a play and we're like the way, I don't know how to say it, but just um, like the setting, like the way they're making it seem is like as if we're not watching it through Zoom. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I've seen uh, there. Uh, I forgot what. Yeah, it's called. I think it's called Acting for a Pause, and they do like I want to say weekly or maybe even biweekly uh, streams of this essentially Zoom readings of say. First they did uh, like Shakespearean things, and now they're kind of like branching off into uh, uh, film screenplays that sort of thing. Because they just did Fearless People Stay Off, and then they did, and then a few weeks ago they did uh, like Up in the Air that sort of thing. So now that and before that, again, it was all mostly just Shakespeare. And, you know, a lot of this stuff that they do, they actually bring in, you know, famous actors, actresses, That's like cool. regular, you know, regular uh, theater people into the thing. And essentially, it's essentially like this. It's like, you know, they would have it on like maybe Gridview or something like that or Speak of You, that sort of things. And it's getting to a point where I think a lot of these Zoom productions are becoming a lot more, as you said, savvier, where it's like they know how to handle Zoom. They know how to, uh, like, market the Zoom, Zoom thing. You know, a lot of these things are, are like, maybe, like maybe five, ten dollars just to go into, see a thing. Right. I, I haven't even seen a Zoom thing that costs like more than five or ten dollars. And, and if it is that, then it is probably more like, uh, if oh, it is that, no, go ahead. Oh no, that I did see a production that was that I paid it was prepaid though. Um but I, I think it was um an archive. That's what it was, sorry. It wasn't a oh, gym. okay. It was like one of those like they, they took it out and it was like fifteen dollars. But I would I was willing to pay fifteen dollars to see that because I couldn't make it in the, I was really actually really happy because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't make it to New York and it was pre COVID and um I couldn't make it, so, but I missed the show, and then, you know, because of COVID, they're, like, they're trying to, you know, make their money, and, you know, whatever, yeah. um, and get shows for them to go see, to, for us to go see their shows, and so they were able to provide a link to go see it, but I had to pay $15, and I was so oh, grateful, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of that, there's a lot of, like, I think that's when, that's what I want to see more of, and I think, I think playwrights would have to think about the way that they're writing because if you're, if like I start writing um, about like something that I would be in person, but I'm talking to them in through Zoom. And let's say like in the scene, someone kills me, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have to kill myself. Like I just feel like I would, I would 
as an audience member, I would just like, I would disconnect very easily because I'm watching something live and I know you're not going to die because it's, they're not next to you. Do you get what I'm I mean, saying? Yeah, I, I think with something like that, when you have to handle a death scene, like when you have to handle a death scene on Zoom, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I might be reaching out to you like this and then you will probably be like, you know, somehow do it like that. But then for but, me, it, it would be like a film. I don't know. I haven't personally seen yet a death scene. So maybe if someone can convince me of that being <laughs> like how they could do it. But I just, for me, I think taking consideration of the platform and how to use it, you can create really great stories with just these platforms. And I think that's yeah. go, like going forward. Like that's something just to think about because we have to think about it if it's something that we're going to do, you know, still later on through Zoom. I don't, I actually don't, I actually believe that these Zoom plays are, is getting more traction in some way for theater itself because, you know, other people are, you know, they want to see other content that's not just Netflix or, or just films, um, yeah. you know, on <laughs> or Hulu or anything like that but they want to see other things and um, and be able to provide such an easier access for a person who may have always wanted to see a show or see a live performance of something, but they never got the chance to because yeah. they don't live, I don't, like I live in, um, uh, what's it called? I live in, in South Jersey. There isn't like great theaters here, you know? Yeah. Many theaters here, so seeing like things online, the closest thing I know of the, like Jersey theater is probably maybe Atlantic City, and that's if I'm lucky. Yeah, but they don't have like a, it's not like Broadway, yeah. you know. So it's, it's like, like a concert that would be, or like comedy shows, um, yeah. And, and it's so, odd, how, yeah. It's just odd how essentially now what people are becoming a lot more accustomed to Zoom and people actually becoming essentially a lot more accustomed to essentially producing for Zoom, especially producing like new like stage readings of you know uh, of plays or scripts that they wanted to do and they can, and they can't really do this face to face. This seems like the only way to do it until the time being, and then by the time. Maybe January rolls around once you know there's a reopening. Maybe that's when everybody starts like, like, I won't say like abandoning this idea, but if uh, I know people are still using Zoom to at least create like essentially a network of people to essentially like a create like a network of theater people, especially since when my upcoming episode, one of my then upcoming, especially since when I past episodes. I actually talked with people who actually formed a Zoom, I, I won't say like Zoom theater thing, but like a thing that was like sort of like born out of Zoom, but mostly born out of quarantine. So I think what I'm trying to say is that I hope during this time of quarantine and self-quarantine, that sort of thing, people have were able to or are able to essentially form and interconnect with people who have the same ideas but they can't really do anything because of the, of the you know place that you know you live in you know you say you know you're in south jersey right now and now and you just said that jersey doesn't have that much of a theater thing but since you're practically a stone throw away from new york city it's easy to essentially produce something 
or promote something that's happening in New York City. Right. But, but how, you know, how, do, you know, how do you create Jersey, you know, Jersey theater? So I hopefully think, I hopefully, I hope to see that more Zoom things like this, like that's, that was born out of quarantine, essentially becomes more of a norm, especially going forward, because you may have a great idea, but you know, you may be like maybe three hours away from a major city, so, or major, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think for me, it's like a thought of like accessibility and, yeah. and, the, and the way that digitalizing theater is you're able, like I, I think about it and I thought about this um, a lot too, because I always think, and I always try to be like, I, um, like, trying to get as many you know as a person who has also dealt with marketing yeah um i don't think that all shows are like meant for everyone but oh, yeah. i also think when you're talking about when you're thinking about a show you think about your your audience and who you want your audience to be who is the who is the story for who do you want people in in there thinking about your show and so i always think about um ways of accessibility for certain groups of people and I yeah. think in this quarantine I also thought wow I, I can only imagine the people who are home for whatever reason they're not able to make it they don't have either they don't have enough money they don't have um they don't are not like capable physically to go to these theaters a lot of these theaters don't always have elevators or oh yeah you know, uh, wheelchair access or you know something yeah. or even the seats themselves are too small for you know an audience for any you know anybody to fit sometimes I'm just like this yeah. I'm watching like so tight um, but I think I think about that in accessibility when you talk about digitalizing art and um, and shows so I, I think this is positive in that sense I really hope People who are producing are and creating this, this these shows are thinking about that um, because I because I do think that there is um, audiences like that you know who are at home who are not able to access for whatever reason um, something you know yeah. I also say that like I've also seen and my even my one of my um, one of my friends uh, are producing live events in like parks. Um, so there's social distancing in that way because um, it's a park, you know, it's outside. Um, so people are able to, you know, still, I think maybe now, I haven't, I haven't gone yet because I'm here <laughs> in oh, yeah. South Jersey, but um, there, I have seen it online where they're, you know, they're creating shows um, outside. I think, I think it's about accessibility and just being kind and thoughtful about your surroundings. And I haven't seen that yet, to be honest. I haven't seen that much with businesses even, just regular businesses, where I still feel like they're trying to fit in as many people as they can because of the profit. Yeah. At the end of the day. When I, when I and for me, I, I think, because it's like a theatrical thing, it's about the experience of it all. Yeah. You know, I, comfortable. I think, that, yeah, I think for the most part, this is a good uh, uh, discussion point to end on, but 
because I, 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 you know, I don't like to have these episodes over really long. And I think we we both talked to we both talked a lot about great stuff, especially on the, uh, not only producing side but also as both essentially as CUNY alumni. But I think on a great tipping point to actually to end on is that in this little time, it's odd how essentially I've seen theaters who actually have, you know, uh, uh, cameras that are essentially inside a theater. So if you're outside, say, you know, I, you know, uh, when it was last fall, I was ushering out of theater. I won't say what theater is. You probably don't want theater I'm talking about. But I, I was ushering for a production of an off-broadway play, and you know, when someone had a leap thing, they couldn't get you know, and if it was during if it was during a very seedy scene, they couldn't like go back in the theater. So, what the, they essentially had a way outside the theater. But even if they couldn't get back to the scene in time, you could still go downstairs and watch the show from the from a uh, television downstairs because they have TV down there. You can see the TV essentially, you know, granted they had to cover up when the steamy stuff happened, but you could still watch the, t you know, watch the, the play on TV if you couldn't get, get back to the, you know, to, to your seat. So, yeah, I, I think for the most part, theaters need to essentially start digitizing stuff and start to, especially since uh, Disney Plus released Hamilton recently, and it was a major hit for the streaming service, I think it's gonna be a lot more people wanting to see these shows that they haven't been able to see because of, you know, uh, uh, right. because of availability. Whereas like, you know, if you're uh, in say, Philly, you know, Philadelphia and you wanna go see a Broadway show, that's gonna be a long drive to and from Philadelphia, especially since you got probably have to book it, you know, unless you have family who lives in New York, you gotta have to, you know, Book accommodations for yourself. That sort of thing. Find a, a you know a good seat just to see. So having a sense of digitized media, especially since this is you know this is now a uh, thing now where it's like people are able to essentially record a Zoom thing and also save their Zoom thing, especially right. to those who want to see it or live stream it. That sort of thing. And and the live stream essentially saves it anyway. This business, I'm, I'm like, you know, for a different streaming service. But yeah, I, I think for the most part, theaters have to become a lot more smarter in digitizing things because there are people who do want to see these, uh, you know, there are people who do want to see these performances, but they can't see these performances because the tickets prices are going to be like, you know, $150 for a mezzanine seat or $75 for like the, you know, they, the, the high up, like way, way high up seat, where it's like, you can barely, where you can barely see the stage. And but like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm finally seeing the show. That's sort of thing. And yeah, it, it's like they have to start playing very smartly about how to do all this stuff now, because there are a lot of these shows that are now, you know, ending on Broadway because of the COVID thing. You know, like Beetlejuice, uh, Frozen, that sort of thing, and there are probably people who haven't seen these shows because of what's been happening, but because of you know ticket prices have been essentially been so skyrocketing just to see these shows. You know, if you were you know when Hamilton was uh, first starting out, I'm pretty sure just to see that show on Broadway was probably like maybe two hundred, three hundred dollars. So that's even for a good ticketing price. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think for the most part. 
Broadway needs to start doing more digitizing their own shows so people could have much more of an accessibility, especially if they can't. Because there are theaters who don't have, like you said before, who don't have elevators, and if they do have elevators, it's only strictly, uh, strictly you know, limited access to certain people. And then for people who have, like, say, wheelchair stuff or happen to uh, who can't really sit down personally, sitting in those seats are like hard enough to actually do that because I've seen, you know, I've sat in a Broadway seat and I've sat in a off Broadway seat. It's generally the same thing because it's like a very tight space. So if you have like weight yeah. problems or, you know, restless yeah. legs thing, it's like it's a very hard thing. But yeah, uh, I think this is a good discussion and point to actually end on on my thing. Daji. Thank you for being a great guest today. Uh, I, I do, have, I do have like three other questions, so uh, <laughs> it's fairly easy. One, okay. The first question is: Do could we expect anything for you in the foreseeable future? Oh my gosh! Um, well, yes. This week, um, I will be um, actually partnering up with. Well, the school partnered up with. The Word of Community College partnered up with the 24-hour play um, company, and they're able, now we're able to do a 24-hour play thing. So I'll be in that this week. Um, I'll be a writer. Uh, I think it's the first time I've been in something where I'm a writer. <laughs> Yay, so I'm, yeah, so I'm actually really excited. Um, and um, yeah. Granted, because of this being taped way in advance, uh, would this have a, would this be able to like be faster like recordings and like people, people be able to still see it? Oh, I don't know. I, you know what? Maybe so because uh, the 24 hour plays usually record. Um, so they, and then they have it saved in like a space. So like if good, you go to good. their 24 hour play, I think it's safe. So you can probably check out my work there. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and then I'm also, I mean, I don't, as of yet, I don't know when this, when anything will be, but I am um, partnering up to create uh, a program um, with a theater. Um, so <laughs> you'll probably see that in the near future. I don't want to say too much about it because um, we're still figuring out certain things, but that's something that will happen in the future. Uh, but you All can right. always check me out. At, like, Knock on wood know. there. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Knock on wood. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that actually sounds pretty nice to have a theater opportunity in the future, like a, like a theater company essentially, especially in the opportunity in the future and having when you're uh, having a product of yours that you wrote and have it be produced and acted for a 20 hour, 24 hour play thing, that's always awesome. Uh, do you have any advice for those who are listening or watching? Oh my gosh. Um, my advice is to just do it. <laughs> Whatever you wanna do in your life, just do it and don't compare yourself in the path that people are, you know, putting yourself, put like the path that you see others in. It's your path. It's your choices, the things that you want to do and the things you have a passion for. 
learn about it, being engulfed in it, um, experience, experience it for yourself. Um, always be a student. <laughs> always, always. You, you always have room to grow and learn and be better. And, um, and just do the thing that you love and, and want to do in the world. That's uh, that that that's a very great uh, advice to you, especially especially since nowadays where people don't know if they can do it. That's what things we're hearing that is pretty genuinely uh, genuinely uh, uh, heartwarming to hear. And the last question, which is the easiest question, do you have any social media you want to plug? Yeah, yes, I have socials. Um, you can find me at on Instagram and Twitter. Um, at dose, do, a dose of dodgy. Um, yeah, that's my <laughs> dose of dodgy. Uh, that's me. You can find me there. Um, you can also add me on on um, on Facebook. Uh, it's dodgy Sanchez. I'll always be welcoming and adding people because um, I definitely am person. I'm like I don't know you, but I will add you <laughs> as friends. Um, and uh, you can also join our Facebook group. So if you're also in it, you're a member, yep. uh, which is uh, the A&E type. And it's a group that is dedicated for growth community and inspiration uh, for artists and entrepreneurs. So if you're someone who is a go-getter, who wants to create, who is passionate about, you know, doing things for yourself, uh, this is a group for you. So definitely go join I've been trying my best for the past couple of months to actually help expand that group. So I've been like randomly sending my friends e-bites to, I mean, <laughs> like, e to that group because I know they would probably love that group because it, it, because it's like, because I will say this, Dodgy, you're a great person to talk to. You're always energetic. You're always so powerful. It's like, you're essentially like a, a you're, you're essentially like, that one person that you talk to and you just talk to for like hours and hours on end, and then and then by the time you remember it's like what were well, we supposed to be doing or something like nah and then and then suddenly like oh we were supposed to do this thing and then it's like all right so I'll talk to you later you know <laughs> well I'm glad I make you feel comfortable in that way <laughs> but yeah uh, but yeah that's why I wanted to end this episode as much as I could because I know we could just talk more about CUNY. We could just we could talk about more about Broadway. Uh, you know, producing and again, uh, producing. I feel like is another thing that we could talk, talk about endlessly. Talk about was you know, again, producing my first show was hard enough because I, what like what like, like I said before. When you're producing something by yourself, it's practically a grassroots campaign, whereas it's like you have essentially no budget to do all, all this stuff. You may have a space, but you need to find a director, you need to be the producer, and then if you're the writer too, you're also the playwright, so that's like other stuff that's going to be like some so, uh, yeah, so things. But I'm just glad that you came on to the show uh, at this point. And Thank you. This concludes. This concludes uh, what I feel is episode five of season two of Before Me Arts. My name is Brian M. Davis, as always. Uh, so yeah, just <laughs> just have a good day, everyone, or good night, whenever you're watching this. But yeah. <laughs>